0: today's show is brought to you by audible audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLm and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title free and start listening it's that easy go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now Welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. This is Be Easy Brandon, and I'm joined by Mountain Carl and a special guest. Welcome back to the show, J-Mac himself, founder of SLM. Welcome back. How's it going, fellas?
1: Pretty good. I just got done with uh, done my friend's bachelor party that I, I planned, and this was probably the lowest key bachelor party that I've ever done in my life. Um, usually it's, I mean, I've done like wine country bachelor parties and I've done, which, I mean, bachelor, They were they bachelor parties if they're in the wine country? Do they immediately become bachelorette parties? No. Oh. Sure.
2: Brandon and I love some wine.
1: Maybe if rosé oh. is involved, I don't know. I think we started drinking rosé mostly, ironically, at that bachelor party, and then it became <laughs> like a rosé all day situation, and I was a little hmm. upset the fact that we didn't actually have matching t-shirts or windbreakers or anything like that. But, uh, no, this was... Uh, this was about as low key as it gets. We all we all got together and got meat drunk at a Brazilian <laughs> steakhouse. So that was that was pretty good. Got and, the meat uh, sweats,
0: huh?
1: Meat sweats, yeah. No, They had to roll me out of that place. <laughs> uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was the best part of that whole night. Was walking over and meeting a bunch of random people at the salad bar and just looking at each other. I was like, we're doing it wrong. Like, what, why, why even do this? Why not just sit down and start eating meat? So, it's
2: funny that you bring that up. I'll never forget there was a time where Brandon and I hadn't seen each other in a while. And so, we were like, hey, let, let's, this is like before I married Claire and everything. This is a long time ago. He was like, hey, let's go get a, a nice steak dinner. And I was like, yeah, man, that's a great idea. So, we went to Texas Day, Brazil, and we ate so much food that, <laughs> dude. I have never been so full in my entire life. I was so full that night, and Brandon, you could attest to like how you felt. But like, I couldn't even sleep that night. <laughs> I was so miserable.
0: Yeah, it's one of those where you're like walking out of the place, just grimacing in pain. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it, it tasted so myself? good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're if you're already at the salad bar, you're losing the game because you need to get as much like premium quality cuts of meat. So like the person comes around with a chicken on the skewer and we're just like, Yep, nope. See you later, buddy. You know, you <laughs> got you got stuck with a bad cut. You know, yeah. what, what are you like a first year kind of guy here? Yeah, you know, get on to the game.
2: That's very true. We I actually went to Atlanta last week and saw the great Sambino. We went to the game one of the NL's uh, DS. And we went to Hattie B's uh, Nashville hot chicken. Have you guys ever been to this place? No. Yes. Holy moly. That was the best, like, Nashville hot chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. It was so yeah. good.
1: It's awesome. No, uh, this, uh, I think the words take a hike actually exited my mouth when chicken guy came by. Mm. It's just like, go, go see you later. But yeah. We uh, we did that. We did, uh, well, what did we do the next day? We did, um, sporting clays, um, which is pretty fun. Nice. And then we did, uh, we went to a little, uh, bar around the area and, and then afterwards we went to, uh, do you guys ever go to Witherspoon's distillery up in Louisville? It was, uh, it's a, it's a whiskey mm-hmm. uh, distillery and they, uh, they do some other stuff too, but they, uh, they changed their name, uh, because they must hate brand recognition really and uh yeah they change it to bent number or like bent distillery which is a way shittier name and then uh where's that we, located it's up in Louisville. it's like right in downtown Louisville.
0: like main street area yeah okay yeah, yeah. Gotcha.
1: and and so my friends and i have been like really big fans of witherspoons this whole time and you know you go in there and you can drink at the bar and that kind of thing they used to do like all these crazy craft cocktails this time we went and it was like the complete polar opposite experience it was i had like a whiskey-ish type drink and then uh oh our other friend uh patrick he ended up getting something that was supposed to be a quote-unquote moscow mule style thing with whiskey in it and it was basically just lime i mean like which is i mean i don't does lime even enter into the moscow mule (laughs) It's, it's all ginger beer. I
2: think it's beer. supposed to have like a twist of lime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like ginger beer, right? So he was like, This tastes like a really shitty margarita. Like this doesn't taste like anything. And then mm. and then, of course, my other friend who ordered a drink who was the actual bachelor, his ended up being pink, which I thought was hilarious. And uh, but it had like bugs in the ice and shit what? and i was like is this a joke like so anyway that was a it was a bad experience at this place like they the drink sucked uh ice bugs apparently i don't hmm. know but it was, it was deep not for the like flavor a, yeah i mean you gotta you gotta spice it up a little bit somehow yeah but it's yeah the, it was it, whatever i mean weather spoons as a product is fine like i'll probably still buy their products and everything i'm not going back to that distillery that was but, weak I,
2: I have a question here, though. So I would assume that the original... Let's go back to the name thing for just a, a brief moment. So I would assume the name thing, the Witherspoons part, was probably a last name of somebody that created said whiskey. Is that probably pretty fair to assume?
1: If not, it's a slam dunk for, like, old-school whiskey name.
2: Is it, though? It feels... All I think about is Reese Witherspoon, and that's that's not what I'm looking for.
1: But <laughs> That's that's a good point. It's, it's not like, you know, uh, legally blonde the drink. Right, it's not what you want.
2: So I would assume that that's a last name. But whenever you decide, okay, our name is a problem or whatever, right? Like let's say that we decide sensibly loud was a problem name for our company in some way, shape, or form. We weren't getting the traction or whatever it may be.
1: Well, I would alien- think we, alienates deaf people.
2: Right? <laughs> no, that's just me. No, oh, but okay. I would. <laughs> it works well though, given how yeah. this week has gone. But yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I would think that we would go to the drawing board and really think through the name, it feels like bent is not the best way they could have gone.
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't understand what, it, it's like when Netflix changed, like wanted to separate their DVD and their uh, mm-hmm. subscription service for th- streaming. And they were like, you know, what we really need to be, we need to be Flickster or whatever the hell it was. And everybody Quickster. was just, or Quickster. Yeah. And it was just like, yes, that's it. You know, squander <laughs> whatever brand recognition you have left quickly. You know, like, do you, uh, and that's one when people make those kind of moves, makes me wonder are they trying to kind of segment the business and just have it like trail off and die? I mean, like, is anybody gonna remember what Quickster was ever? I mean, but Netflix is gonna be around for a long time.
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure what the thought was on that. I really don't, because he, Reed Hastings, made that move and then changed that move all within like a week. Which, at the time, it's not like we had such like streaming platforms. I mean, streaming was so relatively new at that point. And I I don't know. I never really understood exactly why that happened. It felt like an impulsive move that kind of blew up in their face.
1: Yeah, that, that didn't seem like it was pretty well thought out. Or perhaps it was overly thought out. And then it just backfired completely.
2: On the quick Netflix front, I do have a, a thing for you, and then I want to get back to the finish and talk about this bachelor party. Did you guys know that... So whenever you boot up Netflix and you have the double knock and the little Netflix noise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what that's from? Mm. That's uh, whenever Frank Underwood knocks on the table twice on House of Cards. That That's him pounding on the really? on the actual desk.
1: Huh. Really?
2: Yeah. I just found that out the other day, which feels problematic.
1: Yeah that man oh God I you use the word problematic I feel like uh I wanted to use the word problematic now right. I, I like I can't do that now for like a whole week or something oh, so, you oh know, no you can do it have to take some time off know, yeah. no. that was that was uh yeah I mean like Kevin Spacey not not a great like callback I don't care how famous that show was like yeah. you are you trying to really I don't know it, it, again how many people are gonna get this?
2: True. All of
1: our listeners are going to know now.
2: True. That was their very first streaming show, like original show, was House Mm -hmm. of Cards, though. So, I mean, it is an homage to that. And I guess, you know, I mean, it's to your point. I don't think most people are going to notice. I only found out about that recently. It was completely shocked when I found that out.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be way different if, like, the Netflix logo was Kevin Spacey's face. (laughs) And then it zooms in you see
0: all the multicolor lines. Yeah oh yeah, yeah. that'll be <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the test pattern where it used then to then the, be the face yeah. of satan underneath the yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man talk about problematic yeah that would, uh, that's that's that would weird though i always
0: well. thought that that sound effect predated the show but i guess that makes sense because the show came out i mean it's probably been what 10 years now right yeah
2: something like that it's been i think it, yeah something right around that it's been a while
1: yeah. All right. Well, no, go on. No, no. Yeah. Please continue. Uh. Back, no. That's the bachelor party. They, well. Okay. So the only thing that really of note was that like. So obviously Friday night we had had all the meat in the world, and then uh, which again like you sit around there and you watch like this parade of meat everywhere and you're like, how's there so much meat? Like how how can you have so much food in this place? But uh, the of course naturally we went we bought uh like these giant, like tomahawk steaks, like boned ribeyes. Right. And so like, we, we had like just a repeat of the night before we were all just like, now we're extremely full again. Like, this is ridiculous. I, so he got these things at like Costco, I think. And they were like two inch, three inch thick steaks. And he's, we're all like, how are you going to cook this? And he's got like one of those like Costco ripoff, big green egg kind of things in the back. So he fired that thing up and that, that whole deal, have you ever tried to lift one of those things?
2: They're incredibly heavy.
1: They're insanely heavy. I mean, <laughs> the only thing I can compare it to is um, if you guys ever had—I know Sambino had this uh, rear projection uh, <laughs> HD TV, like a Sony Vega. Yeah, those yeah, things are heavy. It, so, it, <laughs> which had like it was like inch and a half thick glass in yeah. the <laughs> front, and uh, I, I'll never forget we were trying to move this thing in college. And uh, it was it was only like a 30 something inch, like 40 inch TV. And uh, we got behind it and we we're trying to lift it up the stairs and we we're looking at each other like, what the fuck? How is this so heavy? Like, and it's all in the front, too. And yep. It's like the most awkward thing in the world to carry. Uh, kids these days don't know what they're missing out.
2: It's funny that you bring that up because we had one of those TVs in college and ever whenever we were moving out of our second floor apartment, my roommates dumped it down the stairs on accident. And you want to talk about a vacuum tube explosion. That one, <laughs> that one was bad. We were picking out uh, glass out of our legs for like a week. I happened to be down at the bottom and I I ran the hell away from that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. That That's yeah. insane. That's like Indiana Jones running away from a boulder kind of scary. <laughs> no, that was... Exactly. Uh, that was bad. Now, the, uh, th- this thing, I it was the kind of old school TV that, like, if you guys ever went to the state fair and they have, like, that weird uh, little rotunda where they show all the, in, like, things from the future, like, oh, in, in 20 years, people are going to be, like, using video phones and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they had a TV that was ostensibly the same thing that we were trying to carry up and down the stairs. <laughs> it was this flat, you know, 16 by 9, aspect ratio hdtv and when you're looking at it in the state fair and you're like 16 or something you're like whoa this is amazing but no one's over there trying to lift the fucking thing right i mean <laughs> so, yeah
2: i mean i thought a blackberry was cool too but i mean <laughs> yeah <know. laughs>
1: my palm phone right so neat yeah No, that was uh palm, but yeah. pilot. palm pilots oh my god
2: weird weird time
1: Yep. Yeah. We, uh, we did it gang. We, we have iPhones now, so we're we got busy. there. Um, but yeah, no, it, more or less, it was just, uh, a lot of eating meat, a lot of shooting clays and a lot of beer. And, uh, it was, we were watching the Florida LSU game, which if you were an LSU fan, that went exactly how you wanted to go.
2: Just like we called it on perpetually correct. That's for yep. sure.
1: Yep. So it was wishful thinking, I suppose. Good to hear, man. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. How about uh how about you, Brandon? I think that you subjected yourself to some unnecessary scares this weekend.
0: Oh, I, I think they were necessary. But uh yeah, well, I'm glad you're here in one piece, Carl, because sometimes those uh bachelor nights can get kind of off the rails. Uh J Mac knows what that's about. Uh Bloody. for being there for his bachelor. Yeah. Well, it felt like multiple bachelor party nights, but we well, had a Vegas was. trip mm-hmm. and then we had uh then we had like the night before the wedding. So yeah, it's, it's fun, fun times All of in which, full
1: mode right now. <laughs> like you're lucky that you're, you got me here right now, but, uh, Oh, I know. Yeah. But here we are.
2: <laughs> well, how was the, so tell us about the, the haunted house.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, my day started off. I mean, it was, this is the first weekend where we're finally not in the nineties anymore. And yesterday was gorgeous. I think it was like a high of 60 or 61. So it was perfect. Uh started off at Four Corners Brewery. Uh, they brought out their Lala which is one of my favorite brews. It's kind of like a Mexican cinnamon type of uh, porter. Um, and it's it's really, really good. So I definitely recommend people to check it out. And the problem is they always had it on tap only. And I was talking to the guy up there. I'm like, man, it'd be really awesome if you guys can this stuff. And so he was just like, oh, okay. So he turns around, grabs a can of it, and gives it to me. He's like, don't tell anybody and i'm like oh shit so he just handed me one for free and he goes yeah it it just shipped out yesterday so they'll it'll be in stores so yeah it's a specialty beer that will probably be in stores from like now until probably january but definitely recommend everybody to check it out it's called lalacusa it's got an owl on it and it's made by four corners brewery probably find it at total wine or liquor stores or whatnot so um, i'm definitely going to be picking that up as soon as i can find them um but, that guy's uh, gonna
1: SWAT your house tonight. You just, you just said, don't tell anybody. You just told everybody <laughs> on the air, fucking everybody. Everybody's oh. okay.
0: I, I don't, I don't know what his name is, so he's protected. But uh, there, there we go. Yeah, and there's more than one guy that works there, so you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, our evening, uh, you know, me and and my roommate, and his girlfriend, and other roommate, we decided, you know, it, this would be a good time now that the weather start, finally feels like fall you know, let's go check out a haunted house. And I have a list of them I want to check out. And this was at the top of the list that I've never been to before, which is Cutting Edge, which is right there in Fort Worth. Everybody's driven by it if you've gone up in the Fort Worth direction near uh, downtown. And so we got there and thankfully we did uh, time tickets, which means you kind of like reserve that you're going to show up at a certain time. And by paying an extra 10 bucks, you, you, you know, I think it was like 45 bucks. You get the ticket and that guarantees that you're not going to wait in the line that's no longer than 20 or 30 minutes uh which is a good call because when we showed up there uh parking lots were filling up left and right like we were at a sporting event and we had to park pretty far down near uh, a bunch of homeless people so it kind of reminded me of a certain part of austin where you're just walking through and you just see like people you know asleep on the sidewalk like people are just everywhere out. And, you know, but there's a heavy police presence, um, I think, with a lot of things that have been going on in this country over the last year. So Uh, the Fort Worth police were definitely out uh, in force in every corner. Um and oftentimes uh you know helping with the crosswalk situation but uh but yeah we finally got there and parked and uh, walking up to the front of the venue it was a really really lengthy line uh, for the general admission just looking at those people I it it kind of looked like you were at Six Flags it was insane wow. um they had like a stage out front and people you know performing music for people and. You know, almost looked like going to the state fair. And uh, But once we got there, we got in our sort of like timed line and went through the metal detectors and all that. We were good to go. And the thing about this haunted house that's different from many others that I've been to is I think it's the longest one in the nation. It's gotten Guinness records. Uh, it's received Guinness records for multiple years of being the, the longest haunted house to go through in the U.S. I don't know about the world, but it's probably up there. I would imagine, uh, because it takes about 45 to 50 minutes to get through it, uh, from start to finish. Wow. Yeah. Now, given that it's not consistently where you're just in haunted house world. I mean, there are certain, there's about three separate choke points where you walk in and you kind of filter in and, and they just kind of like, you know, they, they separate the groups and they, they wait, you know, a certain amount of minutes until the group ahead, uh, clears, you know, a certain area and then they let you in, which is good because you don't want to be all, you know, congested and, and compact in with another group where you see the group ahead of you and the scares that are coming. And then you're just like, ah, you know, I, I know what's coming.
2: How big are the groups?
0: Uh, well, it kind of depends. I think the maximum size group was probably eight people. We had about six of us. Um, okay. and then there was this, this, uh, there, there were these, these two girls in front of me that were together and they weren't with anybody else and uh a lot of times i think the first choke point they kind of like let them go with us and they're the kind of girls that would freak out and would just stop and freeze up and not know what to do and it's like you got to move forward you know so uh i kind of like took my time and was walking slower with with our group and was like let's let them get ahead i'm gonna look around and oh look at these details and i'm like looking in the windows and stuff and You know, some of the scarier parts for some people, but I'm just like taking in all the details like, oh, look at that. There's a there's a, you know, oven connected to a bathtub or, you know, something crazy. And so by doing that, it allowed us to kind of go through and not know what to expect. Um, But the choke points were interesting. The very first one going through and standing there, uh, we get in there and we just hear a bunch of like live drums and there's three or four drummers just, you know, they have some song there that's looping and they're just like all dressed up in like skeleton paint that's glowing you know with the black light and uh they're just jamming out on the drums one guy's on cowbell (laughs) so i thought you know and of course i had to go up to him and be like hey i need more cowbell and uh we have to yeah so it was that was entertaining and another choke point had like a band with a guy on like an ovation acoustic and another dude playing saxophone it was very much like david lynch type thing it was really weird Hmm. uh but yeah, all in all, uh, you know, getting through those choke points and then um, seeing the different scares, there were there were some really interesting elements. I remember going through one area where going through just sort of like a rack of clothes, and then the rack starts to collapse in on you, and then people are in between the racks, uh, making these weird sounds and popping their face out and stuff, and that was pretty cool. Um, there's uh, there was nothing really makes me jump because I'm the one going through it, just kind of like kind of criticizing things, but just kind of being like, okay, yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're effective. Good job. You know, these people that come up that have crazy contacts and stuff, but, uh, there was one thing that did get me and it was, there's a lot of stairs in it for some reason. And so, uh, before we went to like the lower level, I was going through this one area and all of a sudden, like something pushed me to the right, like pretty hard. And I looked and it was a freaking alligator just like popped (laughs) out of the side. Like, almost perfectly it hit me like right in the thigh and moved me but you know didn't didn't like bruise me or anything but uh that was uh that was interesting i didn't expect that um but yeah you kind of had your typical part where there was a circus with a bunch of clowns and stuff towards the end and that was really creepy uh but all in all yeah i i really like this place it's probably one of the best haunted houses i've been to
2: i haven't lived in texas nearly as long as you guys have but i will say you got to be on the lookout for the alligator attacks. You just have to. So I get it. You know, makes a lot of sense.
1: Southeast Texas haunted house, you know, where it's like, well, I mean, maybe that's the reason it's so creepy, right? Is because you're not in Southeast Texas where everything is alligator related.
0: Oh, and so. I I forgot to preface this, but this place is a former meatpacking plant from the early 1900s. So that's why when you go in, you're just like, okay, this doesn't look like that big of a building, but there's there's multiple levels underneath the building as well as uh, some upstairs areas. So it, you really go through this gigantic maze of things. So that was, that was very interesting. And um, yeah, I felt like it was a perfect runtime. It's also awesome, Pretty dude.
1: impressive. Yeah. I mean the, the 50 minute thing for the haunted house, I, <laughs> Ooh, that's a little <laughs> rough on me. My, my old man heart. I don't know if I can handle it.
0: Yeah, well, so we plan on doing the Parker House next weekend, which is going to be up in Denton. Um, I've been to that one a few times, and I haven't been to it since they relocated up there. Uh, But hopefully, Carl, you can join us, and J-Mac, if he doesn't have anything going on, that we can kind of give our own take on it.
2: Hopefully, yeah, that's never the case. <laughs> yeah,
1: we well, don't have anything going on, right? Exactly, right? Yeah, also,
2: I, I think with Brandon's steadfast refusal to be any kind of intimidated, leaves him in the perfect position to do employee reviews for SLM this year. There you go. Yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. Well, yeah, it's awesome, man. I love Haunted House season, everything. I'm hoping I can make it up there. I'm really gonna try to,
1: that'd be a lot of fun, definitely, man. So, uh, now. Now that we've been uh, discussing that, what did you have that you had seen recently, J-Mac?
2: Ah, yes, so...
1: earnest oh, movies?
2: No, no earnest movies this time. However, those those will be back at some point. We're going to do reviews of all the earnest movies. We just need to do that. That's just a given. Um, I think this year... So there's a Christmas one. There's a summer camp one. There's a Halloween one. Isn't there one more?
1: There are nine Ernest movies. Holy shit, okay. Oh, Ernest Goes to Jail. Yeah. Can okay. I, can, okay. Yeah. can I kind of run down these real Please. quick? Please do. Okay. I, I want to make sure that all of our listeners know exactly how much Ernest is out in the world. Thank you, Jim Barney. Jim Barney. Um, we got Ernest Scared Stupid, which is the topical one. Naturally. We've got Ernest Saves Christmas, which is a natural extension of that. Um, Ernest Goes to Camp, one you called out earlier. Yes. Ernest Goes to Jail, which is my autobiography. <laughs> uh, Ernest Writes Again.
2: What is that one? Uh,
1: I don't know, but I'm looking at the cover of it, and it just looks like Ernest's face, and then a bunch of confetti. So, I don't really know what's happening there. I mean, the the picture doesn't really tell me anything. Okay, Ernest in the army. So... (laughs) Like
2: in the army now, type of Ernest? Uh,
1: I don't know. It's got him in a military helmet saluting, and then an American flag behind him. So, I hope that it's Ernest does patriotism? I don't understand. It doesn't yeah. matter. All right. Uh, I think this one is either a joke or it's like an Airbud knockoff, but it's Slam Dunk Ernest. What? That was All made right. in 1995.
2: I'm, I'm questioning the integrity of the list that you found uh, here because this it's
1: the... it's, IM, it's IMDB. You call them, okay? okay. Don't, All right. don't yeah, worry <laughs> about this. I'll give them a ring. Um, yeah. Here's one that could be quote-unquote problematic. Ernest goes to Africa. Oh boy! Yeah, don't know, don't know how that held up. Over what that, year was right? that made in? Nineteen ninety-seven. Oh boy! Uh, you know what else <laughs> came boy. out right then? Uh, probably
0: Ace Ventura Two and Nature Calls. <laughs> right, oh boy. No,
1: okay. No, no, okay. Well, I, I freaking love that movie, but I'm sorry. Well, we all do. Uh, Ernest Goes to School is okay. So these are not in order of uh, but these were ranked, I guess. As far that's as fine. As I but anyway, Ernest Goes to School is nineteen ninety-four. So. Um, I'm not gonna. Yeah, the Ernest Rides Again thing. I'm gonna have to do a little digging on that. It has a sweet, sweet meta, meta score of 28. Oh so, boy,
2: that is a real humdinger of a movie, is what it sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of these barely cracked like the 40s. So, I mean we're we're not exactly in Oscar territory right now. But, uh, but like, the,
2: what do you expect from a Jim Barney movie? I the, mean,
1: the uh, iconic right. stylings of one James Varney. Mm-hmm is uh, is sure to be enjoyed I, I can't imagine sitting down and watching all of these back-to-back like a 24-hour marathon thing do you think that like it'd be like a clockwork orange scenario where you're like get like strapped down to a chair and all you do is watch earnest movies on repeat
2: i don't know i think that we could i think between the three of us we could sit down and and knock about i know brandon and i could mm. i could oh, sit down yeah. and watch them all through
1: brandon are you okay
0: being uh you know, uh put Daniel probably could too. We could do it here in the house. Yep.
2: We should so. do that. We should just stream the whole goddamn hours. I think Dan hours. has
0: <laughs> all of them on his Plex server.
2: Holy cow. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: All right. More earnest talk later. We'll get back yeah, to that. Yeah, that's, that's fine.
1: That's, that's fine. A I, special had to, I had to get that out there. Yeah.
2: I'm glad you did. It's a special project for later on. We'll we'll put it on the follow-ups list. I'll do that um, right now. Good. Um, so no, two movies. So I, I this was more of an exploratory thing of whether these movies held up and uh I I'm undecided on one of them because I've only I'd only seen it like once going into it. The other one definitely held up. The first one was hocus pocus.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah. No, that's uh Thackeray Binks. Yeah.
2: Yes. Bet Midler. I mean, is there any bad Bet Midler movie?
1: Uh I mean like is there a bad one or is there one that I don't want to watch?
2: I mean, wasn't it... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. There's some good,
1: <laughs> two two different things entirely.
2: An important distinction. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure she was in Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, but I can't remember specifically. We'll okay. get back. We've talked about that in the early days of the show. We'll get back to that sometime. But uh, anyway, so we watched that last night just to see if it still holds up. Claire loved it. I was uh, I was fine with it. It was you know I was fine to rewatch it. It still holds up for what I thought it was. So that's fair. The other one and this one shocked me for one specific reason. And the reason is that Steven Spielberg directed this movie, which I uh, that you could have not be over with a feather when I found this out. We watched Casper.
1: <laughs> oh, man. as Ricci, one? yeah, oh, yeah,
2: God. as an homage to Halloween, and again, more just to see if it holds up. It was a quick watch kind of thing, Halloween, you know, all that, and something that's kind of amusing. It was. It was pretty decent. The the one commonality that I find among... Oh, and also Bill Pullman's in that movie, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, But every single one of these movies that I find that I watch like this, the parents of these children are always the worst people in the world. Like, in Hocus Pocus, the parents were out drinking and partying all night while they were dealing with the witch situation. Yep. What what kind of parenting situation is this?
1: Yeah, not a good look, but a great snapshot for 90s parenting.
0: There you go, yeah. So <laughs> that's why I half to, of my friends have uh, parents that are divorced. Yeah. Good there point. Go.
2: <laughs> but I mean, like, they're always doing this. To, they're always going to these parties and whatnot together. It's just,
0: true. why are true. you just
2: leaving the kids at home to fend for themselves on, you know, Halloween? I, I don't know. It just seems odd. But anyway, they hold up in their own right. I don't really know if the hold up is any kind of classic, but it, it's one of those where like they were definitely kids' movies, like, you know, for our generation and stuff, but I don't know that I would let my kids watch these movies.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand exactly. I, the first, my first experience trying to watch Hocus Pocus, I was in a San Antonio mall with my parents. <laughs> and we were like, I don't know why they were trying to get me to like watch this thing or not, but mm-hmm. I was sick as a dog. And, and the only thing that I associate Hocus Pocus with is me, like, throwing up as a child in an ashtray somewhere in a mall. <laughs> <laughs> what? So this is not, this is not, yeah. like, a super good memory for me. But then, right. like, Mountain Girlfriend loves this shit. Like, oh, yeah, Claire does, too. that movie. Yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the whole parenting thing and the. Like what, what what did they say before they left? Like the you know, order some pizza, like don't run into any rejuvenated witches or right? <laughs> like yeah. what the hell?
2: I'm just gonna start leaving that as a, a casual drop when I walk out the door.
1: That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out
2: for rejuvenated witches. All yeah. right. Yeah, Have a good there.
1: one. They're out there. Don't worry. Yep. They're stay up. inside, don't answer the door. So But I had
2: to, I felt like I had to bring these to you guys.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh well and I was like, Spielberg directed that? So I, I just looked it up. It was actually directed by Brad. Silberling and uh, Spielberg was an executive producer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I totally uh, was like, it. I don't recall that, but uh, that would have been. That's interesting. what I was saying.
2: Probably would have been just, a better film. I was shocked that he was involved at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, and Spiel- Spielberg will produce stuff, and you'll like see random, you know, sure. clips of Spielbergery inside of movies, but it won't be the entire thing. Like, I'm sure he did a couple shots, like Transformers. The the Michael Bay Transformers was you know executive produced by Steven Spielberg and you got one like Spielbergian shot in that movie and then the rest of it is pure Michael Bay. Yeah, pure Michael
2: Bay. Oh, absolutely. And like I'll and I'll do you one better in Casper. So they they have this house and there's ghosts in there and they're trying to get it out right and so they're going they're cycling through different people trying to find the right person to get these ghosts out of the house. And at one point they're standing there out in front and all of a sudden you have Dan Aykroyd run out in his Ghostbusters uniform oh, yeah. and he was like Forgot and he looks that. at me, he's like, You know who you're gonna call to get rid of this thing? And they're like, Who? And he goes, Someone else, and then ran off. <laughs> and that was it. I was like, What a cameo. Yeah, it's a great. good
1: cameo. No, I, I remember when uh when this movie came out, and then we I got it as a gift from my uncle, and uh and we were like, and my parents were like, Hey, you know, you want to watch Casper? And I was like, Heck yeah, like that sounds great. And we put it in, and it's the Spanish dubbed version. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I've, I, I can't, I don't think my shoulders have ever slumped so hard. Oh, like, God. you know, just kind of like, Well, okay. And it was just like, Mayamo Casper, you know, like that kind of thing. I was, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm <laughs> fucking over it. I do this awesome,
0: anymore. man. I remember when that film came out, and I. That was one I did not see in theater. I think I saw on VHS later on and Mm. uh, wasn't able to watch it at first because, you know, I had very – my parents were extremely conservative back then, and you had the whole movement going on of, like – you know satanists and all this stuff you know is was all reported in the news and so it was like oh there's a lot of references to satan in it and you guys can't watch it you know oh, right. Right. Same, okay, the same whatever. harry
1: potter nonsense that kind of thing yeah
0: exactly and so eventually i ended up watching it uh lo and behold at my grandparents a year later when it was on vhs we were at the video rental store It was like oh let's watch this yeah this looks like a sweet movie and yeah i remember casper being an animated cartoon back in the whatever yeah, they said well- you know so, uh, yeah, so me and my little sister got to watch it, and I think uh, my older sister was there, too. And, yeah, I mean, it's a I thought it was a great, fun movie um, and really interesting technology at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I liked all the ghosts in it, and uh, I think I had a major crush on Christina Ricci after that. But, yeah. Who didn't?
1: But, right. Checks out. Well,
2: the
0: math checks out on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wouldn't be like... If you told me that you watched like the Adams family, mm-hmm. right? And then you're like, had a major crush on Christina Ricci after that, I'd be like, see a doctor.
2: Yeah. What the <laughs> like hell? You you phone? Say <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You need yeah, to go yeah. see
1: a therapist right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, not after after Casper. That is acceptable time frame.
2: Indeed. So still holds up decently.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. I need to rewatch it. It's been many years.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know that you do. Yeah. I feel like uh, me rewatching it probably gets you about what you're gonna get out of it. Yeah,
0: you did it for us. I can remember certain things. Yeah,
2: yeah, like th- it was one of those. that See, that's the best way to describe it because I was watching through it and I was like, I vaguely remember a lot of this, but I didn't specifically remember any of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of one of those things. It's good stuff, though.
1: Sorry, well,
0: it's like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Well, uh, I know Justin and I have watched something recently, not together, but around the same time. Um, and Carl, I can't remember. You've have you watched Breaking Bad? Or is that a show that you have yet to get to?
1: No, no, we're we're about to work on it. I have to knock out the end of Stranger Things. Things have been very screwed up since I've had to yeah. move in with the the parents. So the Netflix has been at an all time minimum, which is very upsetting to me. So. But yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't done that. But uh, you guys have. Have you both seen El Camino? Yes. Yes. Awesome.
2: So, to set, so Brandon, why don't you set it up first, and we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. So,
0: uh, El Camino was uh, directed and written by Vince Gilligan, who created the series Breaking Bad, and he directed a few episodes during the the series, but a lot of like well-known directors like Brian Johnson and a few others had always directed the, the episodes like the one of the fly and and things of that nature. So probably one of the greatest shows that's ever been created. Um, I know it's up there for me and probably up there for Justin as well. Definitely. Uh, So going into this, you know, uh, Breaking Bad ended a few years ago and it's all streamable now on Netflix. And, they ended up going back and showing the lawyer character uh, which is saul goodman and sort of his um, origin story so that show is still currently going on you kind of see the the introduction of all these characters that had a very heavy presence in breaking bad and so what this movie is is kind of like a uh sort of a chapter right after the end of breaking bad the events and we see uh aaron paul's character jesse pinkman He's driving off. He had been, and of course there's gonna be spoilers here, uh Carl, but uh
1: That's fine.
0: you know, I'm sure you'll forget about it. But uh yeah, so he's he was uh, recently held captive by a bunch of uh white supremacist Nazis, uh forced into making meth and um and Walt's character, uh Brian Cranson, breaks him out and ends up, you know, so uh, going forward, you were just seeing Jesse on the run, and what happens after those events, and and where does he go from there? And when I first heard about this, I knew that they were they've been toying with the idea of making a Breaking Bad movie, but it's always been like, well, how is it going to be done? How is it going to get distributed? To all these theaters and Netflix has really come on in a big way because we have movies like The Irishman that's about to come out. They've been really, really uh, becoming a little bit more successful with their original films, and so this was a smart way to do it, plus release it in maybe a few theaters for a short time. Uh, But hearing about this, I didn't know if this was really a necessary story that they should be doing, but again, if, if Vince wrote and directed it and Aaron Paul's in and everybody else is in, sign me up. So going into it, I was a little trepidatious, but uh, I would say after watching this, yeah, this was definitely needed. I thought it was uh, expertly written. You kind of didn't know what was going to be coming next. There were a lot of very very tense moments in it that I haven't felt watching a film in quite a while. Uh, but what's your take on it, Justin?
2: So I would agree with that I, uh, for most of that anyway. I think the so I I watched it on Friday night because it dropped on Friday and everybody was talking about it and I didn't want to read up on anything or you know stumble across anything I didn't want to know about yet until I watched it so we watched it right away and the one word that I did keep seeing throughout the day on Friday was the word unnecessary and I get where that where it could be looked at that way I would say I'm glad it was done I thought it was well done I'll get into more that in a second I don't know how necessary it was. I don't think you learned anything more about what ended up happening to Jesse. At the end of the day, it kind of left you still with that same question mark. Now, you're not always going to put a perfect bow on it. And, you know, that's probably a part of the beauty of it. But it, I, I'm glad it happened. They did it perfectly. It was great because Better Call Saul is a prequel to Breaking Bad. And then this was, you know, the aftermath of Breaking Bad, at least for Jesse's character. And I agree with you that there was so many tense moments where it's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what it was like watching this show the first time. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Like, just really on the edge of your seat. It was, like, I felt like the pace was pretty good. It was, it was definitely a cross between Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul as far as pace goes, though. Better Call Saul is a much slower burn, a little bit more of a... It does get crazy, but it, it's a little bit more of a tempered, you know, type of pace. This was right in the middle of both of those. I mean, is that pretty fair to say, Brandon?
0: Yeah, I would say that's accurate.
2: Yeah, so I mean, that that's where my head was at. And so I liked it. I thought it was really well done. Like I said, I, I get why people are saying it was unnecessary. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that wholeheartedly because I think they did it really well. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there were a lot of really neat callbacks just like that they were really random. Like, you know, I, I don't want to um, give away too much, but of course, like Walt shows up, but it was a kind of flashback. Things was the perfect way to do it. Which did make you wonder, like, was were like the scene that he did show up in, did it feel like that was just an outtake to breaking bad? Did that feel like that to you? Well,
0: I knew that there were gonna be flashback scenes and I'm glad it wasn't I I was really worried it was gonna be too heavy handed with flashbacks because I'm not yeah. I'm not real big on flashbacks, but I like that they showed scenes that weren't even in the show, you know, and that yeah. you could tell that they, they went back and they, they filmed these scenes and um And yeah, I mean, that was towards the end with where he's, you know, sitting down getting uh, getting a meal with Walt. But you kind of see them connecting and everything. And I mean, that was very much a long, drawn out scene. I didn't feel like it was unnecessary.
2: No, agreed. But did you like did you feel like so like that scene where they're in the restaurant specifically? right? Right. Like that was the main scene he was in. Did it feel to you like it was that could have just been an outtake from another episode that they didn't make in the first in the first place?
0: Yeah, it definitely felt like it, it could have been because it, it there was there wasn't really anything like involving the plot, but it was right. you could tell it's them in the early days where he first shaves his head. Walt does, and and you can see them really starting to become um, compatible or, or kind of uh, likening themselves to each other, and you could tell Walt is really starting to see you know Jesse's mindset and how smart he is, and you see how smart Jesse is throughout this where he's like. You know, no, last time I did this, and we're not going to do this. And, and, you know, but sometimes he outsmarts himself, like the scene where he's inside the vacuum store and he was like, you know, you wouldn't just hang up on the cops if you really called them. And, and all yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> I thought he that was pretty good. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, they, they, but like that was the beauty of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is there are those funny type things too that are just kind of in there and you're not really expecting it either. Yeah, yeah I, Like I said, I, I, I didn't feel like it was unnecessary. I thought it was fine. I can see why people think that, but I didn't really feel that way. I thought it was really well done. The other uh, interesting callback was whenever they showed what was the building that used to be Los Pollos Hermanos, yep. and it was just some other chicken place. And it yep. was like, yeah, I if you that. know, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there were a lot of little subtle things throughout where I need to go back and watch it again. But um, in the beginning, you see him racing off in that car, and I think they purposely show him where he's, he's driving fast and sort of an exterior shot. and You see him driving fast, not stopping at the stop sign. And to me, that was, I don't know, it's kind of like a deeper meaning there. Like he can't, there's no way he can stop now. Like he, he has to keep going. So I thought there were a lot of like little subtle things that I thought were really smart. And that's something Vince is always well known for. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I really kind of feel like that this is, this is a chapter that it's, it's going to be something that builds into something more. I don't think that this is going to be the last time we see Jesse Pinkman. I know yeah. we're going to see him probably in Better Call Saul and he'll show up because that's sort of the preamble, you know, the the prequel to uh, Breaking Bad. But I feel like, you know, whenever uh, Better Call Saul is over with, I don't feel like that that's going to be the end of the entire anthology. I think Vince still has yeah. something up his sleeve.
2: I hope so, because I, I and I agree with you. That's the only thing I could think of is the why it ended the way it did. Uh, El Camino is just because I do think that It leaves it to build out for, you know, longer. But I thought it was great how they had the callback to Jane in there at the very end, you know, his love interest in the show. You know, they, the Brock thing was really good. Yep. They just, they, Vince Gilligan is the king of winding together plots that are just like, Carl, that's going to be the most interesting thing whenever you sit down to really watch Breaking Bad is like how everything weaves together. It's absolutely astounding. I've watched it twice, like all the way through. We did a thing last summer, we watched all the way through Breaking Bad and then all the way through Better Call Saul to the new season. And just the amount of detail that shows up where you're like, wow, never would have thought that one-off comment would have been, you know, used in a show with season three in, you know, kind of thing.
1: Right. And and so it's kind of like the, uh, everything storyboarded out, you know, to perfection kind of deal. Exactly. That's good.
2: So I, I really liked it. I thought, I thought that there was a, the same kind of undertones that you have in both those shows, but uh, somewhere in the middle where it was kind of trying to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that was wildly confusing to me was that, and, and like, this is such a superficial bullshit thing to like even be concerned with, but it's, I couldn't shake this thought from my mind is the fact that Todd got fat in the off seat, and, like in the, you know, between the breaking Bad and now the show. And like, it was supposed to be kind of in conjunction with that. And he showed up like 25, 30 pounds heavier. Yeah. It, that was really confusing to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the guy that kind of looks like uh, Matt Damon's long-lost brother. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I never thought about that
2: before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy moly. And he's
0: such a weird character that I so really like that it showed how – because th- there was an outtake, a deleted scene. You remember, you remember the lady who was in charge of running everything, the Burnett that eventually – you know the ricin and all that stuff yep and there's this uh deleted scene where he was like coming on to her oh man it's the creepiest thing ever
2: okay i'm gonna go look for this yeah so wh- let me ask you this remember when jesse was sitting there and he was wa- I-, I can't remember if he was watching the news or if you heard this on the radio but he was talking about the person down in houston that was connected with walter white and the whole scheme or whatever right was he talking about her or was the news talking about her
0: uh f- I'd have to go back and watch that, but okay. I, am I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I remember now. So yeah, it was, it was like on the radio, he was in the car listening and um, that the person's not expected to survive. I'm pretty sure it was her because uh, you remember what he, that conversation he had on the phone told her, you know, cause she had flu like symptoms is like, yeah, you're not going to survive this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just like, goodbye. Good. <laughs> yeah. It was like, Ooh man, that's a, that's a way to get her back. But Uh, I think my favorite thing of this movie was, I mean, there's a couple different times that are really good, but I think my favorite thing was the sort of Wild West shootout that happened towards the end. Um, That was just expertly done and something that I was not expecting.
2: Yeah, dude, I agree with that. Like, that was just a wild-ass scene that it was definitely, it was one of those where, that's what this show does best it builds that kind of suspense but then and, and you should expect something like that but somehow you're not yeah and that's that was probably the most su- shocking thing of it were you not about to poop yourself whenever he pulled over and all those cops were driving by headed toward Badger's house
0: Oh dude
2: in his house
0: to arrest him and he's just sitting there like oh shit yeah he's <laughs> like he's like where do I go and yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah just don't move don't yep. do anything stupid. <laughs>
0: Yep. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. And it was cool seeing, uh, you know, Skinny and, and Badger back. And, and those guys are really, really good actors. And the fact that they were just, like, give their shirt off, you know, off their, their backs for him. And, and, you know, he's like, why are you doing all this? And he's like, you kidding? You're my hero, man. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Pretty fucking good.
2: Yeah, I liked it, man. It was great. Carl, I can't wait for you to get on this, man. Like, it, it'll be a little bit because you want to watch the show first. But it's. Yeah it's so well done and again you could do without it but you don't want to do without it
1: so so we're we're of the same opinion now everybody believes that i should do the entire show before i watch el camino oh yes. yeah okay you wouldn't Half know of. what's going on with el camino yeah <laughs> yeah i the other, it, it's like a love letter to breaking bad why would i not do breaking bad before i did el camino
0: right pretty much
2: Now, one thing that I I will bring to your attention that I this is the other thing that really threw me off in the movie is the guy that, um, let me, I'm looking up his actor name right now on IMDb. He was the guy that, uh, basically he ran the welding shop. What was that guy's name?
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, man, I can't remember his name either, but yeah. I totally forgot that he was, you know, because he looked very different. He had, like, longer hair and, like, a beard. And they they show him in a flashback scene the first time he meets Jesse uh, when he's, you know, being uh, held captive and all that.
2: Right. So that guy was in that show, The Mick, on Fox with with, uh, uh, Caitlin Mm Olsen. And which is, for those that haven't seen it, it's basically like another version of It's Always Sunny, maybe a little bit more tame. But that dude just gets the shit kicked out of him. Constantly on that show. Like every single show, he just somehow incurs a massive beating or falls off of something, or just, you know, somehow he's always the one that gets the crap beat out of him for her actions or whatever. And he's just an absolute riot on the show. And like there's this episode where he like falls in the pool and he like tries to make this big case that everybody looks better wet whenever they're doing something. And that's all I could think of when I was sitting there watching him was him talking about how everybody looks better wet, no matter who it is. <laughs> and it's just, it's such a stupid thing. And I was like, this really has me struggling to keep te- like to take this character seriously. It really
0: did. Yeah. Like, it was really well done, man. It was pretty awesome. Especially when he had that other little one in his pocket. Pretty- oh yeah. That was, you know, you kind of see the build up to that, but, uh, Yeah, and then there was, uh, you know, some sad news that um, came out of this because this debuted, you know, I think early Friday morning at midnight, and I watched it Friday night as well, Justin, and, um, you know, but the guy that was uh, very much a significant part of Breaking Bad in terms of, you know, how Walt originally gets away and how... Um, Saul gets away, and everybody, and and eventually, you know Jesse at the end of this. But uh, the actor Robert Forster, uh, who played Ed, who's the guy at the Hoover store uh, for the vacuum cleaner store, uh, he passed away Friday um, on October 11th, uh, and he was 78 years old. So that was really sad because he had a very, very, uh, I would say a very almost tearjerker, dramatic moment with Jesse a, a couple times, but especially towards the end when he's reading that that letter which you see is addressed to that, uh, little boy who's now, you know, um, you know, without his mother and everything from the events of breaking bad. So, uh, you know, you could tell, I mean, this guy was just, I, I really liked his acting and, you know, he had this, his character had that very special set of rules, but very sad news that he had passed away, you know, the same day that El Camino came out.
2: Pretty crazy that that happened to coincide with those two things. Yeah. Right. He, he was the one that sold them guns and everything too, right? Uh, or was yeah. he? A di- or was that a different guy?
0: That might have been a different guy. Okay. Yeah. This well, was sort learn. of the guy that would uh, help you disappear and give you a new set of credentials and all this other stuff. Right.
2: Well, overall, it was really well done. I was really impressed with it. And, I mean, like I said, I'm glad it happened. I hope you're right about it setting up something for the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I just kind of feel like this is too good of a universe to, you know, and two, you think about better call Saul and there's those black and white moments of him present day and mm. watching these old VHS tapes of his commercials. And he's, you know, running the Cinnabon and everything. I kind of feel like eventually that present day story will take over and him and Jesse meet up again, but you never know.
2: So. That'd be pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah. But, uh, Yeah. Great, great film. Can't wait for Carl to, uh, catch up on it. Uh, but since we're in the month of October, Halloween is drawing near and near and, uh, God, we're almost midway through the month. Uh, you know, I know we mentioned Casper earlier, but you know, we really wanted to talk, uh, and for all you listeners out there, just kind of go over some of our favorite takes on horror and thriller movies and directors that we have the fondest memories of. Uh, so Carl, uh, we'll start with you. Take it away.
1: Yeah, no, we, uh, this all kind of spawned out of, I, I don't know uh, what the hell we were talking about, but the... Uh,
0: I never know either.
1: <laughs> yeah, I never know anyway. But the <laughs> the fact is that it is that time of year, and there are so many movies that I've wanted to catch up on or uh, movies that I wanted to revisit. And uh, one of the <laughs> one of the directors that kept on coming up for me when we were talking was uh, especially John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean obviously we have uh, I don't know he seems to be really hit or miss as far as do people love him do people not love him Uh, you you know he does a lot of his own music in a lot of films and things like that but there are some movies that John Carpenter has done that people may not really know of Uh, some of those were like uh, Halloween obviously is like his big you know, very large first movie that he did. Um, he did Assault on Precinct Thirteen before that, but Halloween is probably the one that really put him on the map for a lot of people. Obviously, it's got that that soundtrack to it and everything that everybody remembers, Michael Myers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, he ended up doing quite a few of those. But where uh, I was trying to think, like, what hor- what horror movies and what thriller movies has he done? uh besides obviously the thing which is one of my all-time favorites mm-hmm. that uh that really stuck out to me did you guys ever watch they live
0: yes i was hoping you were gonna say that well yeah. no, i don't think so what is this
1: about they they live do yourself a favor um just go claire's grab, gonna love it yeah Claire, uh <laughs> oh, best romantic comedy i've ever seen oh, oh that's the exact exactly how you have to pitch yeah, it. go every ahead and set time. it up no 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 they live is uh They Live is a movie that was like a TV movie, right? And it was based on, uh, I don't know, did did he even put his attach his name to this, or did he do it under his surname? I think, uh, I think he may have actually done this under a different Hmm. director's name. But anyway, They Live. The whole point of this was that uh, of this movie was that Rowdy Roddy Piper, right? Mm -hmm. From from WWF fame, he uh, he was the main character in this. And there are aliens all around us, right? This alien invasion has already taken place, and they're controlling the media, and they're controlling all kinds of entertainment and advertising and everything like that. It's all the kind of crap that like your parents used to warn you about, like if you watch that too much, it'll rot your brain, kind of thing. So. The idea is that there's this subtext to all of the messaging that's out there, and that um, it's subliminal messaging everywhere, like on the billboards, on the magazines, on TV. And these aliens are basically in like doing this whole soft push thing to get everybody to do exactly what they want us to do. And Rowdy Roddy Piper finds this box of sunglasses randomly like in a uh, church or something mm-hmm. i think it was and then so he puts it on and he can see who the aliens are right like he freaks out of course at first because it's like you put your sunglasses on and these people turn from normal you know yeah like, they
0: look like regular people but then look with like the shades people. on it filters it and you see aliens
1: right and mm-hmm.
2: uh have you guys talked about this on an episode recently
1: no, not I don't think we've talked no, about it. this is, I, this should be talked about every episode. So, somebody
2: I, just recently told me about this whole situation.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so weird. Like the whole premise is ridiculous. They make fun of it in South park with a fighting <laughs> scene and everything. And like it, <laughs> yeah. the, the whole, because there, there's one drawn out fighting scene. that Like and when you, when you see it, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But, uh, it's like Roddy Roddy Piper and his quote unquote friend. The guy's like not really his friend. He's just the kind of partner in crime. And they're, uh, they're getting in this fist fight and it is like the most protracted mess, like of a fight scene you've ever seen. Like it goes on probably for a solid five minutes of them just wailing on each other. Mm -hmm. And you're like, that's gotta be it. Right. And they're like, one of the guys will just run up and just like spear him from behind. And it's just like, Oh my God, this will never end. But uh, no, it's, it's a, It's a great like uh kind of like B level sci fi thriller kind of thing. And it it's the whole thing is so hokey. But John Carpenter made it, and if you haven't seen They Live, uh that sticks out to me as probably one of those like most cultish movies that he ever made.
0: Oh yeah, very much so. And I would describe it as kind of like if you ever seen Michael Douglas in Falling Down where he just starts to lose his mind a little bit? Yeah, that's kind of really like Rowdy Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper because he's this normal guy and all of a sudden now he sees that aliens have been brainwashing society and so he's going to take them on and and gets a bunch of weapons. And my favorite scene from this film, and it's been quoted in Duke Nukem and and several other that's right. places, he walks into a bank with, uh, with, I think, a shotgun or something or assault rifle and he's wearing the glasses and he's just like, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of gum. (laughs) Yep. That's the best. Which that was,
1: uh, yeah. Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem 3d replicated that perfectly. Oh yeah. And, uh, no, I just, I don't know. I, I don't really know what the point of all of this is, is to say that John Carpenter is fantastic and he does some of the weirdest shit in movies and gets away with it. Like, there's some there's some awful ones that he's done like Ghosts of Mars and stuff like that. Right. You're like, why does this exist? But uh, for the most part, everything that he touches is usually like cult following gold. Um, one of the one of the movies that he did that I grew up loving for probably no other reason than just how off the wall bizarre it was was Escape from New York. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's like there's this one part it's, you know, like you watch these movies and then like the most minor shit will stick with you Mm -hmm. afterwards. And you're like, why is that? Like, why did that even happen? Well, there's this one part that's like supposed to be depicting how awful New York is. Right. Like they've got this one guy who's like trying to assault this chick in, in this like dingy corner. And is this like Kurt Russell's first experience when he lands in New York to go save the president. And his friend, like, this other guy who's assaulting this chick, like, he he's joined with this other person back there doing crime or whatever you do in prison New York. And he's just sitting back there. He's, like, rocking back and forth and, like, clapping to, like, whatever imaginary music is in his brain. And I've never laughed harder at something that is so dark <laughs> in my life. Like, <laughs> it is it is so awkward, but it's, like, The whole time I was trying to figure out like John Carpenter, what did you tell these people in order to make them do this? Like did you? They're they're they are getting paid like maybe a dollar an hour, right? To like do just weird extras level shit on this movie. You're like, you you assault this woman, you know, and then you stand in the back, rock back and forth and clap. Like It, it, none of it made any sense, but it's just I don't know. It's one of the funniest freaking move, like moments in any like awful thriller thing that I've ever seen. Um, and then he made Escape from L.A., which nobody gives a shit about. Right? Yeah, so, it's terrible. Yeah, it was not great. Well, that that's but, definitely uh, a good take. Yeah, that's uh, I I love John Carpenter. I freaking love John Carpenter. Even the bad movies that he's made, I love them because they're all so just cult camp. Yeah, they're very nuanced. Fun. Yeah, yeah.
2: I've got an off the wall one for you guys. Do it, do it. Rob Zombie.
1: Okay. Rob Zombie. Yeah. Rob yeah. Zombie.
2: Devil's Rejects. House of a Thousand Corpses. Halloween movies.
1: Just came out with Three from Hell. The follow-up. Yeah, to I adventure. haven't watched. There you it go. Yet.
2: Yeah, I want to go see this too. I, he uh, hasn't done a ton. I mean, he's done obviously a ton of music. That's that's kind of what he's known for. But it just—he never misses ever like he really knows exactly what that genre is looking for and willing to push the limits of comedy and like horror all at the same time. And I love that.
1: When you see something is written and directed by him, you don't really cringe. Right? right. I mean like there's there's st- some stuff out there that are, like written and directed by and you're like, "Why why did you do this?" Like this is a <laughs> right. awful movie, right? But, I mean,
2: but, is there a better song than Dracula? I don't know if there is.
1: <laughs> I was said uh, like I was turning on my uh my, I almost said iPod, which again somehow dates me. But the, uh, Weird. I was I was throwing my phone on and uh, and was listening to music in the car, like said on random or whatever. And uh, Andrew WK's Party Hard" oh. Oh, geez. comes on, and I'm yeah. like, I am transported back to a Bud Light commercial right now. Yeah, like it was. Oh my Does- god, I can't. And it's not like it's got more than like four words to the entire song so you can just like sing it to yourself even when you're doing nothing but the, scream it to
2: yourself well yeah, the, yeah
1: scream it to yourself
0: those pictures of the great sambino where he's like you know screaming and he's holding the thing you know holding up beer. <laughs> that's what i imagine is going through his head
1: yeah absolutely. <laughs> think, yeah, nobody nobody embodies andrew wk's like very small discography more than sambino yep
2: Carl, were you in the car with me? I know I was in Colorado. I'm pretty sure it was you and Mountain Girlfriend were with us. But uh, we were driving through the mountains, kind of a tense situation, especially in January, February. It's icy. You know, you're going through 2% grades and crap like that. Mm -hmm. And so I had the iPod just going on random and all of a sudden "Rollin" by Limp Biscuit came on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: That'll get you going.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh man. Same kind of thing. starfish. Yeah. <laughs> Hot dog flavored water. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So Rob Zombie, definitely one of my favorite Halloween horror type of guys just because he's so different than anybody else. There's nobody like him.
0: Yeah. He's got a
1: really great mind. It's a good take.
0: Yeah, and he even did the Halloween one and two remakes. I wasn't a yeah. big fan of him, but, but I like that, you know, like Universal got the rights and they wanted him to do it. And if anybody was to do it, it was him. And I did like some of the stuff he tried uh but right. yeah i i do like him uh as a director i've listened to him on some recent podcasts and interviews and the guy is really interesting too i bet I but those are wild yeah very wild <laughs> can i
1: just tag up real quick and mention something that we need to see together which is john travolta's fanatic oh, and the God. reason i'm saying mm-hmm. this right now it's because Fred Durst wrote and directed. You know how I was okay. So this brings it all together. I said there are people who write and direct, and when you see that their names attached to something, you cringe, right? Fred Durst is one such person, and uh, and the fanatic is supposed to be maybe one of the most like balls out weird mm-hmm. movies, like with an already like ridiculously frantic acting style that is John Travolta. And now you got to like sit down and watch an hour and a half of this shit where he's like, like the first line of the movie is him walking into a, a, a like convenience store and says, I have to poop. Like that's the movie <laughs> I want to watch. That's the movie I want to see.
2: It's awesome. I mean, the, the thing about Lent biscuit in general, and we've actually talked about this on the show in the very early days is they were very much a benefactor of being in the right place at the right time. And like, Red Durst was never really cool, and I don't think anybody ever thought he was. But, like, the rap metal thing was so big at that point in time that it just kind of made him weirdly untouchable in a way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he made uh, – did he make red Yankees caps desirable? Or did he make them – Not for me. Not undesirable. <laughs> yeah. Really, like, on a scale from from one to not wanting to touch it, yeah.
2: I will I, say I, that the last uh, music video that was ever that had ever involved the World Trade Center that was shot before it fell was Rolling.
1: So wow, pretty cool. I, I suppose. I mean, just oh god, Fred Durst.
2: That's, that's the thing about him. Like, there's so many things. It's like that was pretty cool, but then there's so many things that are like that was really, really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it really is a mixed emotions type of thing. Like Absolutely. their take on the Mission Impossible theme was incredible.
1: Yeah. No, I actually I enjoyed that in everything about Mission Impossible too, even though people can't stand that movie. Yeah. And and you know why I loved it? It's because it's John Woo. (laughs) John freaking Woo. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you got John Woo movie, you got Tom Cruise doing all his own stunts, and then you've got freaking Fred Durst doing the intro music. That is like a snapshot in time. I never want to give up. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: true. You just had to live it. You can't oh, describe it.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a theme park of a movie experience. Well, plus Brilliant. that was
0: a uh, that was a movie where Metallica's song too. Uh, that was the one that was the infamous song that was leaked out all over the place on Napster, and where that landed the whole Napster mm-hmm. thing right. in hot water. Yeah, That's
2: uh, right. John Parker and all that.
1: Yeah. Oh Good stuff. God Good Lord. Good yeah, stuff. that that was a uh, that was a real interesting movie. Maybe one maybe one day we'll recap all the Mission Impossible movies and then compare them to uh to new and old James Bond movies. I think that's a that's an good. absolute like knockdown drag out that we have to have.
2: That's a project is what that is. That is oh yeah.
1: We can we can do this though. Yeah. Um, what about you B Easy? Did you uh did you fall into any any grooves with directors when you were growing up or when you found some good horror movies and yeah.
0: So like you, I was, and still am, a very big John Carpenter fan. I think, uh yeah, They Live, I, I really liked it, but it was, like you mentioned, it, it kind of had more of a, felt like more of a made-for-TV type vibe. Uh But one movie that is kind of a cult classic of his is, I want to touch on, is In the Mouth of Madness, which uh, mm-hmm. Sam Neill starred in. And it's interesting because it's kind of like, like if he was to go investigate – um Stephen King because it's someone who is a well-known horror author and he goes into this town or is supposed to go to like this this uh, geo coordinates of this supposed town that exists only in the books and they find themselves in this real town and then they can't escape it and it's pretty much anybody who reads these this latest novel their their eyes start to bleed blood comes from their eyes, and then they all just kind of become brainwashed. So it's it's a very interesting film um, that became a cult classic. And, of course, Sam Neill's just awesome, you know. But uh, right. for me, the the director that uh, stayed with me as, as I really started to, I guess, grow up out of adolescence and get into my teenage years and all that was uh, David Lynch. And David Lynch films, and, of course, you got, you know, Twin Peaks, the TV show. It, it's just very... It's unlike anything that you could really imagine. Um, I would say the only director that comes close to his kind of films because they're just so weird is Cronenberg. Um, yeah. Which I definitely want to talk some Cronenberg films with you on next episode. Got to
1: talk Cronenberg, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, which Cronenberg did The Fly and, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of other films. But, uh, yeah, David Lynch, to me, you know, I think Eraserhead was the first film I, I watched that he did. <laughs>
1: How and young were you when you saw Racerhead?
0: It's <sighs> a good question. I think I was like 13 <laughs> or 14 and it was just so disturbing with the... I was
1: going to say, did you sleep for the week? Or... <laughs>
0: Not really. I mean, that yeah. stupid baby screaming in the night, the the mutated one. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. that
0: That's a very disturbing film. But, um, but to me, my favorite film of his is probably Lost Highway um, mm. that came out in 95 and Bill Pullman's in it and... It's real interesting in that he's a sort of a struggling, uh, you know, musician, saxophonist, and his wife, played by Patricia Arquette, is there, and, and you can tell they're having some difficulties in their marriage, and she's possibly cheating on him, and you know they live in this nice house and all this stuff, and so it starts off where they, uh, he goes out to get the paper in the morning, and he realizes that there's a VHS cassette tape that's on the front porch so he of course takes it in the house watches it and it shows outside the exterior of their house at night someone with a vhs camera going in to the house going all the way up to them sleeping and then getting really close to them while they're sleeping and then the tape stops and -hmm. this keeps happening night after night and so eventually you know he's trying to figure out how who's breaking in so after the second time I don't know why he didn't do the first time, but he reported it to the cops, detectives show up, they try and investigate and then it happens again. And so he's watching it and it show it, it goes in and then it shows him going into the bedroom and it's his wife laying there just totally stabbed and butchered and just like blood everywhere. And then it zooms in on his face and he's covered in blood and he's sitting there watching this, like, did this happen? And sure enough, it did. And then so he gets arrested, gets put on, you know, he's like in in jail for trial, but in like solitary confinement. And something happens to where he disappears and someone else is there in his place. And so they're they're like, we don't know who this kid is. And they release him. And then it follows this kid's journey. And so there's a lot of back and forth. But the creepiest part was uh, before all that happens, he's at this party. And one of these producer type, you know, Harvey Weinstein characters that he thinks his wife is uh, cheating on him with. You know, he's, he's kind of talking to him, and so he's just like, you know, he's fed up, and he just wants to go home, and eventually he turns to this guy that kind of looks like, uh, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the uh, Uncle Fester from uh, Adam's family, and he's just all white, and he's just like, he's just talking to him all creepily, and he's just like, hello, did you like my tapes or whatever, and he's just like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know what joke you're playing, but he's like, you should go to the house, I'm there right now. And he's like, but you're here in front of me. And he's like, call the house. And so he calls the house and starts having a conversation with him. And the guy's just standing there staring at him, not saying a word, but you can, you can hear the guy talking through the, the phone, uh, the mobile phone back in the day. And, uh, then he starts laughing over the phone and in person. It was like the creepiest scene ever, but there's right, a lot right. of very, very unnerving, um, type scenes like that in all David Lynch's films. So that's, what's kind of stuck with me over the years
1: that that makes sense. David Lynch does some great stuff. Um when we do the when we do the Cronenberg talk, uh we're going to do like Video and Scanners and yes. stuff like that. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> I was I was just thinking about like what are what are some Cronenberg stuff that we need to cover? But uh kind just I need to circle back real quick because I did a little bit IMDb digging mm-hmm. on uh, John Carpenter right now and I just found out now, his first movie that he's on the books for writing as far as, or directing as far as uh, IMDb is concerned is this movie called Dark Star hmm. from 1974. And this is like a movie that I watched. I, I had no idea that he was a part of this, right? So here's, here's the IMDb uh, one line, you know, summary here in the far reaches of space, a small crew, Twenty years into their solitary mission, finds things beginning to go hilariously wrong. I'm gonna just put things in perspective, right? Oh, no. like, when you talk about hilariously anything and John Carpenter together, like his brand of humor is already mm-hmm. like John Carpenter brand of humor, right? Like it's not normal humor. This it's like. Uh, very situational really dark and confusing so the fact that anybody thought it was like a funny movie is a little strange to me but there's like a a scene with like there's a beach ball that's supposed to be like an alien and it's like bouncing around and like killing people and stuff it it's like the weirdest fucking movie i've seen in probably the past 20 years right Hmm. and i had no idea he was attached to this this is one of those things we went to like cox video right and we like rented this thing and it was we watched it like i I think i watched it when i was sick one day or something and i was just like what the hell is this movie (laughs) like none none of it made sense it wasn't a waste of time and and i i'm glad i watched it now because it's john carpenter but the only thing i can really compare it to like humor wise is it like attack of the killer tomatoes ah okay Right. So it's it's like dark and like kind of confusing humor and like, should I be laughing? Is this actually funny? People are dying everywhere. You know, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I just remember watching it being like, this is like peak 70s weird kind of humor. And, and I don't know, but it stuck with me. I thought I thought the listeners should know if If you ever saw Dark Star and did know it was a John Carpenter movie, then hats off to you, because I just found that out right now.
0: Hmm. I'll have to check that one out. So we got a little bit of time left in our episode. Uh, What are some of the latest news that's dropped this week?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Quite a bit going on right now as far as news is concerned. Kind of big stuff, but all in little chunks, bits in here here and there uh one of the biggest things that that came out this week was ballerina a john wick spinoff is supposed to be uh starting development right now and uh chad stahelski is producing this Mm -hmm. with keanu reeves um they're not but he's not directing it i thought it was interesting lynn wiseman of the underworld series and then the total recall remake i can't stand is uh (laughs) is set to direct it. And, uh, and this was all in, in very, very cool thing, right? Like you got a female led John wick spinoff and it's going to be really cool. Except for that's not the most important thing that I got out of this news. I started looking at what Chad Stahelski was going to be working on that prevented him from actually doing this movie. And (laughs) what I found is that he's billed to do a Highlander movie. I've never been more excited about something so dumb in my life. (laughs) I mean, like, like raise your hand. If you thought Highlander was an actual good movie. Exactly. Exactly. Nobody thought that Sean Connery's in it, but yeah. Sean Connery is, is in it as a Spaniard for some reason, which is as convincing as Sean Connery playing a uh, Russian in or Alfred, a October yeah, yeah exactly Russian so, yeah I forgot about that so great uh, great role all this is to say that I'm now more excited for a Highlander remake from to Stahelski than I am for the ballerina <laughs> spinoff that is for John Wick and if anybody remembers the Queen soundtrack from Highlander and uh, Flash Gordon and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I just want to I want to make every I'm sure all of our listeners know that Queen did soundtracks for movies in the 80s and it was Highlander and Flash Gordon. If you've never seen those movies, you don't need to, but listen Not to the month. music because it's like pure Queen doing kitschy sci-fi uh soundtracks for movies. It's it's amazing.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Interessante.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: I think the reason Chad Stahelski isn't doing this, I mean, uh, and just a little bit of background, he's the director, and he was also Keanu Reeves' stuntman during Matrix, but he's the director of the John Wick films. So the reason he's not doing it is he's already working on writing, and I've heard that they're possibly going to film John Wick 4 and 5 back-to-back, because that story's going to continue going. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. But this... You know, I guess it was just inevitable because you see stuff like Atomic Bond that came out and, and a few right. others. And so it just kind of depends on who they cast in this.
1: Exactly. And so I will I will be watching that like a hawk because I am a big John Wick fan. Yep. And, uh, and I'll be watching for more news for a Highlander remake because let's just make everybody's lives better by bringing that into them.
2: I mean, that's a given.
1: Yeah. And then uh, the, what other stuff was going on this week? Uh, Air Force 2 is in development can you can you believe this brandon what are you what are you thinking about this get off my plane yeah 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 that's (laughs) all i can think of do you think that gary oldman will come back even after he got pushed out of a moving aircraft
0: he's like resurrected from the lazarus pit that's possible
1: (laughs) i like yeah the lazarus pit oh can we have uh air force one and two take place in the same universe as batman
0: I hope it's Harrison Ooh. Ford going on there. Not to get too political, but I hope he's uh, pushing Trump out of the plane. I think that'd be great. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no,
1: that was that was great. That's like when you say with all due respect, and you say I hate you. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I said it with not, all. I said it with all due respect. Right. Yeah. No. That I don't know how I feel about Air Force Two. The 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 whole. Uh, I think it was uh, we got this covered that that threw this out there, but the idea that. Okay, so you can't be elected president twice, mm-hmm. right? But you, if you were president, I don't think there's anything stopping you from coming back and being a vice president. So the idea of Air Force Two potentially being uh, Harrison Ford coming back and doing a vice presidential run, you know, and so he's on Air Force Two now because that's kind of the call sign for the vice president's plane. And uh, I don't know. that's all speculation much of this is speculation except for uh i i I don't know what you do with this exactly i mean like air force one was good in its own right as a one shot
0: yeah it was real entertaining you know like you got gary oldman you got glenn close you got a lot of heavy hitter actors uh you know of course there's some uh Some unbelievable stuff that you have to kind of suspend your, your, you know, logic and stuff, uh, that goes out the window and it deals with planes and people being sucked out as soon as things get open and, you know, things like that. Um, but, uh, I thought it was a very strong performance by Harrison Ford and everybody in it and especially, uh, Gary Oldman, but, um, yeah, I don't know how they do this and how it's in development, and it's interesting that there's no word on a director. Usually that's announced first along with the actor, but the fact that Harrison Ford uh, supposedly has signed up for this already it must be a pretty solid script. Uh, And of course we're seeing him going back to returning to form with like Han Solo and and they're going to be doing another Indiana Jones movie that's been in development. So, you know, he's kind of revisiting all of his characters and um, kind of sending them off in like a nice little sunset send off, I guess. But for to do air force one is just interesting uh and to do a sequel this many years later uh, the only thing i can imagine him doing i mean that's a pretty strong take in terms of uh maybe he's a, a vp but i'm thinking you know maybe as a former president he's now on board with the current president and then something crazy happens again but um i don't know i i'm kind of <laughs> i kind of feel like uh this isn't really a necessary film but i don't know yeah hopefully i'm proven I, wrong
1: i like uh and this is a total side note, but like as someone who works with planes, like I like the idea of every pretty much every movie where air force one is featured is that it's like capable of magic shit that like normal planes are not capable of. Right. Like it's, 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 you know, they'll always have like some kind of like high tech spacey room in the bottom of it or something like that. Or like, what was it? The uh, escape from New York, which, I should already suspend disbelief because they turned New York into a prison. Right. Is, uh, right. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be like, they, they sent Kurt Russell in with like snake pants and a cutoff sleeve shirt and a Mac 10 to go save the president. That's not real. No. But, uh, the, the thing that I got hung up on, of course, was like the weird escape pod thing, you know, on air force one. It was, I, I don't know, but, but it's always capable of real magic shit. And mm-hmm. it's very strange to me. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm excited. I'm not. It, it's just kind of one of those things that, yeah, do we need this or not? But I guess I'm ex- as excited for that as I am excited for a new Indiana Jones movie. Right. So
2: the, the problem with this to me is it just like we live in that age right now of just remake, 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 remake.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it just feels really desperate.
1: Well, if you don't like desperate remakes, you're definitely not going to like this last bit of news. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But before we get into that, you know who's not desperate? Who's Audible. Ah. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Now back to horrible movies. Um, <laughs> Warriors. Great segue. No, I can't, I can't help myself. Warriors, 1979. Uh, this movie came out. And it made absolutely no fucking sense. It makes no sense. I love it mm-hmm. because of, I mean, have you guys have you guys seen Warriors? Yeah,
2: it's been a long time. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, once and it was a long time ago.
1: Sweet, sweet. I mean, so Sam Bino and I were pretty obsessed with this movie in college. Drinking it, games. It was, it was not what kind of, but mm-hmm. mostly it was just kind of like the campiest movie that anybody's ever made. <laughs> and I, the whole soundtrack is like this weird, like synth. Thing going on in the background, which is almost like kind of John Carpenter ish in its own right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the whole plot, of course, is that you got the Warriors, which is this street gang, which literally the whole concept of street gangs that only get into fist fights, right? Already kind of off to a strange start. Yes. Um, And then I know about them. And they're all handled like in some kind of weird cultish hierarchy. Like none of it really jives with like normal what we normally associate with like American gangs, right? It's all very much like, uh, if, if the whole world was led by like a cult of soccer hoodlums, right. Awesome. And that's about as close as I can get to it. Anyway, the idea of course is that they're stranded in enemy territory and everybody is against them and trying to kill them. Uh, yet they don't use any kinds of actual efficient means of dispatching people. They just want to pummel them to death. I mean, Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's obviously some kind of unwritten code I don't understand about 1970s New York Street gangs. But uh, the whole thing is to get back to Coney Island, which is their turf. And uh, I got to tell you um, that all the gangs and everything, it makes it even more like outlandish, is that all the gangs are like theme based. So you've got like baseball furies and they'll be like wearing baseball uniforms and have like baseball bats and stuff and i'm just like yeah okay like way to stick with it you know like, sounds
2: like some 1950s musical type situation
1: it it's got you know it is kind of like that and that it's uh it's kind of like the jets and the sharks right kind of thing but it's like taken to the the most utmost level of a buffoonery and i love this movie because none of it makes sense and it is such a cult classic of just like crazy crap i've got the like intro song on my on my computer and i just like when that comes up my you know mountain girlfriend looks at me and she's just like this is trash music like i've studied music why are you listening to this and uh and the answer is it's just fun the whole movie is fun so if you if you get a chance to go watch it uh, it's probably about 50 cents for download at this point. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to lose out on a whole lot of money. Use a food stamp. Use a food stamp.
2: I think I'm going to side with Mountain Girlfriend on this one. Save my two quarters.
1: I, I don't know, man. I, it's it's 50 cents worth of enjoyment. But if you watch it and you like it, and I'm telling you that you have to be in a very specific state of mind to enjoy this. Uh, this was college Mountain Carl and Sambino. Watching this movie and we we didn't get anything out of it except for fun and laughs. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a funny movie. I mean, like in in kind of like it's not supposed to be funny kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are the best. They, they, yeah, exactly. And and then the only other thing I'll throw in there as an addendum to this is that there was a PlayStation Two game made oh, after yeah. this movie that was mm-hmm. actually made by Rockstar, the people that did yep. Grand Theft Auto, and uh, it's actually remarkably faithful to the movie in a way that it's actually a lot of fun they have like the original voice actors come back and stuff like that and it's just it's a total brawler uh you can play with your friends um all six of you that still have playstation twos yeah um, (laughs) you'll love this game (laughs) so but uh but anyway yeah that's i can't can't endorse a remake of the warriors because it didn't make sense then and it sure as shit won't make sense now but uh it's uh, it, it's something that it deserved to stay in the 70s. And, uh, you know, if you get a copy of it, enjoy it, have some fun with it, you know, but I, I can't see a remake of this going well.
0: Do you feel like they're going to do like parody style remake or that this is going to be taken seriously? Like, do you think that this will be like a Vince Vaughn project and it'll be like Anchorman meets uh, Dodgeball again, except with baseball bats? Or is this going to be they're going to take it seriously and put like, you know, Chris Hemsworth in it?
1: First of all, Brandon, I love everything you just said. <laughs>
0: I, I knew you would. Absolutely. Everything uh, is- <laughs> I
1: love the idea of having like a Starsky and Hutch level remake of this movie. Um, but the the parody of it would be lost on people, yeah. I'm afraid. You know, I mean, like to really understand what was funny and, and like really exaggerated about the first movie, you have to remember the first movie. And, and much like the people who still own PlayStation 2s, the people who still remember this movie are about, you know, single. I can cut them on one hand. So I think, uh, I think the parody thing will fall flat. Um, and even though the serious remake will fall even flatter, apparently the idea was that we were going to get something more along the lines of like Bloods and Crips kind of thing. And they were going to have to be, Making their way through hostile territory, um, which, again, you have to be very careful about how you write that because the actual, the, the rules of, like, I mean, the whole idea was that this thing was based around some kind of, like, honor system, right? Everybody was... Uh, like honorable thieves and they all followed a code you know Mm -hmm. like no firearms and stuff like that which kept like the tension up and meant that nobody was going to die on the first whack and that kind of thing but uh, if you if you write this in like a very modern time and you have to go like the x amount of blocks to get back to Coney Island without getting yourself you know shot or whatever uh, that's a very I think it's a very difficult movie to write believably So uh, I'm. it's definitely going to – you have to make sure you don't fall into whole, like, procedural track and and stuff like that if you're going to be serious about it. You have to maintain kind of more of, like, a character piece kind of deal because – and otherwise, nobody's going to care about it and nobody's going to believe it. Right. Um, That's that's my take on it. Uh, So serious rather than goofy. Um, Serious as in, like, it has to be so tightly written that you have to not suspend – belief during this whole thing and that's whoever writes this i don't envy them because they've got the work cut out for them
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> well we'll have to stay tuned but uh that is all the time we have on today's episode I want to thank uh mountain carl of course it's always a pleasure and jmac for returning uh, i think we definitely needed you in this conversation had a lot of fun with you man
2: yeah absolutely guys I'm happy to be here anytime you need
0: Yeah. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to this uh, week's episode of Sensibly Loud Radio. As always, you can reach out to us at 972-885-9361. Leave us a voicemail there, and uh, we want to hear from you guys, uh, start a little bit of a conversation back and forth. Whatever you guys want us to to talk about, we can do so, uh, as long as it's not political, of course. And you can find (laughs) us on uh, the interwebs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sensibly Loud, Facebook at Sensibly Loud Media. Uh, But again, thanks everybody for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode of Sensibly Loud Radio.